Hey, this is Kevin Kent. I'm the military technical advisor on the new Netflix show, Obliterated, and you are listening to the Obliterated Companion. Welcome back to another episode of Obliterated Companion. You guys, this is um, this is one I've been anticipating, chomping at the bit to speak to this gentleman. Uh, for those that are just finding the show, my name is Peter. I am one of the hosts of Obliterated Companion, Netflix's uh, latest installment from the creators of Cobra Kai, John, Josh, and Hayden. Uh, joining me, Mr. Kevin Kent. How are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. So, um, you know, inside baseball, I had reached out to you and said that I wanted to do like an episode for um uh, for, for for Veterans Day. Uh, that's something special to me. I don't know how much uh, you know about me, but I did two serve, uh, 10 years uh, in the Army. And I've never awesome. sp sp spoken with somebody with your profession before. So um, I have many questions. Um, for, first off, uh, Chief Special Warfare Operator. This is uh, enlisted or, or um, uh, officer? I uh, enlisted. I uh, retired. I did 21 years. I retired as a as a, a E7 chief petty officer in the in the Navy. Okay, yeah, because because awesome, I know. Though. Thanks, thanks, thanks for your service, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, we both served uh, OEF uh, Operation Enduring Freedom. Um, I did a, a stint in Afghanistan in 07, uh, Joint Task Force Phoenix Five. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so you're highly decorated. You mentioned uh, 21 years. You're the youngest of three boys, which were all Eagle Scouts. Father, 22-year vet uh, Army veteran, and he convinced you to join the Navy. Can you uh, talk about that background? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of weird. I was, you know, kind of getting getting towards the end of high school. And uh, like, you know, like you said, I have two older brothers. Um they were both kind of pursuing college and stuff like that. Uh, my oldest, my oldest brother was in the army. And like you said, my dad was in the army. So I was like, ah, shit, there ain't a whole lot here for me. I'm going to join the army too. And, uh, my dad was an EOD guy in the army. So I was like, Hey, I'm you know, considering doing that. And he kind of convinced me that it made more sense to join the Navy. He was like, if you're going to go to EOD school, he's like, you should, uh, you should join the Navy because they own the school. And uh, I was I was big in the water. He's like, you'll get dive school out of the deal. And um, he was like, you know, join the join the Navy. My mom was stoked on that because the Navy at the time were they were the only ones given given college credit to, uh, you know, a lot of military service. This was in, in, in 92 when I joined. And so I mean, you played some sports, too. Were you not like uh, really having to that considered pursuing sports? Not really. Not really. Like I, I played baseball, uh, you know, like junior high, I play like basketball and football and stuff like that, but I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really that active by the time I was like a senior in high school, I wasn't really that active other than in baseball. And I mean, that's not really heavily recruited in, in the, the, the high school I went to. Uh, there's a few guys I knew that, <clears throat> you know, went to, went some area schools uh, for, you know, baseball scholarships, but maybe only like a couple guys. And, um, and those are all like smaller schools. So no, like, you know, big division one athletes getting heavily recruited for baseball other than like, maybe like one stud that, that was in like our high school, you know, it'd be like very hard for me to get a baseball scholarship. Have you kept tabs on him? How did he do? Yeah. Um, 
actually, I think he uh, he went minors and, you know, he got a four year degree. I think he went to MTSU, uh, Middle Tennessee State. I grew up in Tennessee. Uh, I think he went to Middle Tennessee State. His his family still lives in the area that uh, that I grew up in. And uh, I think he he retired to to like or not retired, but I think he's um, settled in in like Middle Tennessee because, you know, like I said, I grew up in West Tennessee. There's not a whole lot there in that area. And uh, I got another buddy. He went to he went to Freed Hardman University, which is a very small, uh, like Christian based school. Um, but it was, you know, he went he went there on a baseball scholarship and he's he he's back. And I, I see him every every uh, high school reunion, and stuff like that. So good guy. And it worked out for everybody, it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, sure. so your your dad was EOD. Was that always kind of? Um, it was at the the, the um, in terms in terms of specialty because I know that the Navy is a very technical branch as well because of the jobs and a lot of their jobs can trans- transition to the civilian world. Was EOD was always uh, what you wanted to do? You know, I <laughs> I didn't really have a have a big clue as to what I wanted to do. Like you know. I wasn't I wasn't a very good student. I wasn't really good in school and <clears throat> not to say I didn't make decent grades. I think more than anything, I just really wasn't challenged very much in high school and kind of took minimal classes and you know, had no clue what I wanted to do after after high school and it was one of those kind of epiphanies I came back like for the second semester of my senior year and all these people were like Hey, I got into this school and I got into this school and, you know, Hey, where are you, you know, what are you doing after high school? Kevin? I was like, gee, I shit. I have no idea. I haven't even thought about it. You know, it's like one of those things. And I really started thinking about what was in the area and most of the industry had left, you know, the town I grew up in and in, in the mid to late eighties. So there wasn't a whole lot of stuff in that area, unless you're going to either be a farmer um, go to school, come back and, and like try to be a teacher in the community. Um, you know, there's really not a whole lot of, uh, you know, jobs unless, you know, you have somebody that's, you know, going to vouch for you to, you know, go do something like, you know, work in the postal department or post office or, you know, work at UPS or something like, you know, there's not a, a huge industry in that area. And, um, and yeah, so I, I really started looking more towards the military and, once I started kind of doing that, I mean, there's a bunch of dudes I went to high school with. They were all looking in this, you know, guys are going into, you know, the Marine Corps and, you know, several guys I, I went to high school with, you know, ultimately went in the went in the National Guard and stuff like that. And, you know, really, it was just kind of spur of the moment. I'm like, all right, I got to figure out what I want to do. And um, and that's ultimately I wound up looking towards the Navy side based on kind of what my dad uh recommended and um you know once i once i started looking at that the navy recruiter let me in on a, a, a secret that you know i wasn't going to be able to go to eod school until uh until i was an e5 in the navy and that's kind of their deal so you can be in the pipeline but you really can't uh commit to the school until you you've advanced in rank and uh he was like hey we got this other thing called called navy seals and, uh, you know, hits me up for that. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds pretty cool. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, instead of disarming other people's bombs, he's like, you just, you know, you swim up and 
place your bomb under a ship and swim away. And, you know, I, of course, proceeded to go home and, and watch the Charlie Sheen Navy SEAL movie. It was like, oh, man, those guys are badasses, you know, like this looks cool. <laughs> you know, So that's kind of where where I went with that. Yeah, I think with recruiters, they they just want bodies, right? Like they're not oh, not a sure. lot of them. Yeah. are really looking for your best uh your best interest and that's you know i don't want to knock on it's not all the recruiters but some i just oh, I, sure. I feel maybe i would have had a better trajectory if i had one that was looking for uh, out for my best interest like i think he was just trying to get me the easiest stuff so i can like well that sounds easy i'll sign up you know like i wish i had oh, done something more absolutely. badass yeah know? yeah i mean um, there were there were a ton of dudes i went to like boot camp with that were and everybody I went to boot camp with was either trying to go you know, seal diver EOD. And I mean, there were dudes in my company that couldn't even swim. They're like, Oh, you'll be fine. They'll teach you how to swim. They'll teach you how to do all that. And it was like the, the company commanders were like, you gotta be kidding me. Like what is going on? It was pretty crazy. Um, I, I know that you have about nine combat deployments under your belt. Um, how difficult was it being away from the family? And I mean, I did read that you kind of credit your wife for being the glue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of weird. I, I actually met my wife right before I deployed my very first time. She, I was living in Pacific beach in San Diego and, and, and I, she lived across the street from me. It was where we first met and, uh, you know, dated a little bit before I deployed the first time, um, which was in about 97, um, kind of dating myself. But, um, you know, came back from that deployment and then we kind of got a little bit more serious and and ultimately um, got married right after 9-11. So we didn't get married. We dated for a while, didn't get married until 2002. So my first, um, you know, even though I did did some small, small real world stuff, like my first first and like third, fourth deployment, um, you know, the bulk of my you know, combat tours were 2003 to, you know, 2011 being in Iraq and, you know, Afghanistan, stuff like that, OEF, OIF. And um, so, you know, in terms of being away from home, I guess it was kind of like how our, how our relationship was kind of built, I guess it gets a little bit harder, you know, once you bring kids into the mix, because the kids, even though the kids are kind of used to it, that's really all they know is like, oh, dad's gone again, you know, um, it is a little bit different once you start realizing like, man, this, you know, these kids could grow up without a father, you know, if something happens to me. So, you know, obviously that kind of looms in the back of your mind. Um, but in terms of, you know, being trained and stuff like that, I mean, I guess it, it, it kind of, it's more back burner stuff. You try to just put that stuff out of your mind and, and you're really, you know, you're fighting for the guy to the left and right of you. You know, you, you build that strong camaraderie with the guys you serve with. And, um, you know, you pretty much, I wouldn't say you feel invincible. You always have that looming, you know, feeling like something could happen to you. But for the most part, you know, we, we kind of rely on our training and stuff like that. And, and, and kind of just let nature take its course, you know? I know, obviously I know exactly, well, not exactly what you're talking about, but there is something about putting on that uniform and, you know, you get deployed or whatever, you, you kind of forget about everything, right? You got to have your mindset and kind of get your head in the game, right? For those that like sports, you know, get your head in the game. Yeah, um, I uh, I enlisted right before 9-11. 9-11 happened while I was in basic training. 
we were in, in the middle of BRM and nobody qualified that day. As, wow. as you'd imagine, nerves, yeah. right? Anxiety. Yeah, of, course, of course. So I, I I don't even know what it was like for you guys to correspond uh, around that time, like especially you know, your first few deployments when in 07, we still had Microsoft Live. We didn't have no FaceTime yeah. um, or Skype or anything like that. How were you guys able to communicate? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. I remember my first deployment in 97 and I was, you know, we would still go to the exchange and where there's a bank of bank of phones and I'm still, you know, you're buying, you're buying, you know, overseas cards. And, you know, I remember talking to her on the phone outside, you know, I remember we, we deployed to Guam, my first deployment. And then, you know, we would go do J sets out of there and uh, ultimately wound up in the Gulf, my first deployment. But, you know, the way things progressed, I mean, in 03, we were using sat phones to to where, you know, in, they, in you know, even our, our our task unit, they're like, hey, man, you can't be on the sat phone longer than like, you know, five or 10 minutes. And so, you know, they put put a lot of uh, emphasis on, you know, if it's an important call, you know, you make make a phone call, say hi, stuff like that. Um, for the most part, we relied on, you know, email and stuff like that. And and, uh, you know, obviously progressing through um the years um i remember i think probably one of the first deployments uh i think it was in habania iraq like 0607 that was i think one of the first times where i really remember being able to like get on like a zoom or not a zoom it was you know webcam and actually be like hey you know and we had like desks your you know little desk built and uh they had like three or four computers it you know, realistically, stuff would, would shut down all the time because, you you know, we're sucking up so much bandwidth. But for the most part, I think 06, 07 was the first deployment I did where actually we could you could you know do this. Uh, everything else was kind of email or, you know, we'd get on a get on a red phone or something and call back to the states and, you know, a VoIP, VoIP phone, stuff like that. But yeah, pretty, pretty crazy technology now. I mean, I'm sure dudes overseas and can live stream on their phones, you know. Oh Which yeah, yeah, amazing. Especially with social media, right? All, all the different um, platforms that allow live calls and and things like that, and Wi-Fi. Yeah. So, yeah, th- things have changed for sure. Um, yeah, I you know, also shout outs to the misses. You know, um, yeah, I, I just remember everything that my wo- wife went through without me, and, and we weren't even married yet, uh, yet at the time. Um, and one of my favorite movies is uh, We Were Soldiers. That's one of the few movies that actually shows the the family unit back at home and what you know some, a lot of them went through uh, during that era. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, with with uh, so getting out of uh, the navy, obviously you were in instru- well, not obviously because not a lot of people know, but you also instructed um, in, in the navy as well, and now you're instructing actors on becoming soldiers. Um, is there like a like, like a balance you have to find and and like a, some sort of tr- uh, training where you have to remind yourself these are actors these aren't people trying to become soldiers these are people like playing the part is there like yeah. a fine balance you have to so that way you're not like getting on them like you would as a regular oh, absolutely. soldier does? absolutely it's it's i've learned that through the years and you know uh, a big a big shout out to to a couple of guys who've mentored me in the industry um the, one of the guys who brought me in is his name's Harry Humphreys, and he was an old Vietnam SEAL who uh, first got his start working with Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay on the movie The Rock in the '90s. And actually, they used 
you know, real team guys, real seals who were, who were those guys that were in that film were my instructors when I was going through bugs, I went through in 94, 95 when they were making that film. And, um, so Harry brought me in. One of the first shows I did with him was a movie called red, um, with Bruce, Bruce Willis, John Malkovich, and then, you know, proceeded. to Yeah, 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 exactly. Did a bunch of the transformer, did transformers three, four, five. Um, and, you know, Harry bringing me in was was more, you know, kind of going along with kind of what Michael Bay's M.O. is like he likes to have that realism. He wants to have, you know, real, real deal guys to look the part. Um, and then I, I slowly kind of, you know, Harry took me under his wing and I started doing more and more stuff with him. Uh, when I first retired in 2013, we just filmed uh, Transformers 4 which was the first first film that Wahlberg is in, first Transformers film that Wahlberg is in. And um, we started doing this show for TNT called The Last Ship, which was uh, we filmed up in Culver City. And, um, you know, Harry kind of let me kind of make my bones on the on that show and like kind of learn how to be a technical advisor on that show. And at the same time was you know, gave me enough rope to kind of hang myself, so to speak. And, you know, I was, my last two years was, I was teaching, um, you know, SEAL students how to shoot and how to, how to do, you know, basic uh, small unit tactics and stuff. And obviously talking to, talking to a, uh, an actor is, is drastically different than, you know, talking to a bud student and that's some stuff that I learned from Harry and and, and another mentor, uh, Keith Willard, who was the stunt coordinator on that show. Um, I remember a couple of times where I'm, I'm giving instruction to a guy, one of the actors on the show where he's he's runs up the stairs and he's clearing a clearing a building and he goes to find like a sniper final firing position. And um and I, I run him through it. I run him through the whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, do this. I'm like, you're doing a really quick clear of the area. And and then I have him, you know, okay, we're rehearsing. We rehearse the whole thing. And he he comes up and, and you know, doesn't do the best job. And I was like, instead of, you know, praising him for the job he did, I was like, yeah, no, that was horrible. <laughs> and I remember, like, you know, was, if if Keith or Harry had been drinking something, they would have spit it all over the set because they were just like, oh, my God. Like they pull me aside. They're like, bro, you you cannot say that you cannot. You know, he goes, you know, the actors are really putting themselves out there. And I you know, I've, I've been in front of the camera a few times and it's it's very daunting, even even for somebody who's who's classically trained, who, people who've you know done this for a number of years. It's I mean, you're you're putting yourself out there and you're in front of the camera and you look back at this camera and you see, you know, some of these sets, there's hundreds of people just sitting there staring at you. It's, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. And to have somebody critique you and just be like, bro, that was horrible. You know, that was like not good at all. Like it's, it's, it diminishes your, your capacity to, to kind of, to think sometimes. And so, you know, I've, I've, Taking taking the uh, the criticism from those those two individuals from Harry and, and Keith, it'd be like, you know, like, hey, you know, realize they're not true. You know, they're actors. They're not 
you know, they're not real seals. They're not guys who are legitimately going to war. And sometimes you, you know, I do have to put that on myself and go, you know, regardless of how these guys did, I mean, they're still, they're putting themselves out there. They're, they're making themselves available for the criticism and, and, you know, they're putting in the work. A lot of these guys, they, they come to me before a lot of these takes and go, Hey, you know, what if I throw a mag change in, or, Hey, what if I do A, B, C, or D? What if I do this? And, you know, how does this look? And, and, you know, for guys to seek me out on a setting and, and just go like, Hey, give me, you know, give me both barrels because they want that realism. They want to look great, you know? And so I actually, I did have to kind of take that and, and I had to learn how to, you know, speak, speak intelligently and, and intelligently critique a, um, an actor, because like I said, you know, there's, as you know, being in the military, you know, it's, it's a whole different animal. I could just start throwing acronyms at people that haven't been in the military and they're going to just be like a deer in the headlights, be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I have to kind of bring things down to where, you know, regardless of who the guy is or who the actress is, I have to, uh explain it to where it makes it makes sense um on their level you know not to say they're they're any less smart than than i am or anyone else but you know you know the first time i was on a film set it's a lot the same way you know like people would be like hey go find a pa at the ad trailer make sure you fill out your start paperwork and stuff like that and i was sitting there you know looking at people going what what the hell is a PA? What's an AD? What's a, you know, it's a lot of different stuff that nobody really realizes until you've been there and you're like, man, I, I have no idea what any of these acronyms mean or what any of this stuff means. So pretty funny. I, I know exactly what you mean with, uh, with, with that, the, the acronyms um, for, for like what I do. I, I, I talk to a lot of people behind the scenes as well. And sometimes I, I remember the first time somebody used PA, I immediately thought public announcement. You know, like nobody's thinking like, um, see, now I'm kind of blanking on what it's called, uh, something assistant, uh, production assistant. Production assistant, yeah. Yeah, yeah so so like I just, I, it just never occurred to me. So like when, yeah, people are throwing those around, speaking of me, I'm like, I'm not in the industry. So sometimes I have yeah. to look things up or just kind of ask. Um, yeah. we, we can uh, kind of transition into obliterated as well. W- one fun fact here, you mentioned um, uh, uh, Mr. Humphreys, uh, Harry Humphreys, was it? Yeah, Harry. The, the rock uh there was an exchange on twitter with my co-host watch party and uh zach robinson who is one of the composers for obliterated and he had mentioned that the sound um that they were kind of going for with was like a early han zimmer a la the rock oh no nice. so there's a bit of a connection there so that's funny awesome. how that little kind of full circle a little bit uh so you've worked on a few things i just kind of want to throw these out you mentioned transformers um also you worked on amazon's uh, uh jack ryan uh-huh with john krasinski and uh, 12 strong i like 12 strong a lot so yeah. um yeah you know that, that's that's that that one i credit as looking realistic with my experience you know right. and that's that's right. one I, I like to watch uh i i spent most of my time in afghanistan in in kabul um made made a few runs to bagram you know supply runs and, and things of that nature yeah um how how did you uh, book the job for Obliterated? Uh, <laughs> weird, actually a very weird scenario. It kind of fell in my lap. There's a there's another uh, a SEAL 
a team guy friend of mine his name's Mikel Vega and uh he was on he did Transformers 4 he did Transformers 3 uh as well and um he had worked with uh with John and some of the other guys um on I don't know what the project was uh it could have been Cobra Kai or it could have been something uh something else but they knew they knew Mikel from something else and they were trying to get him to come on as the as the military advisor and he had too much stuff going on he's been he's been directing a lot of stuff and producing a lot of uh video game based uh stuff doing mocap and and a lot of stuff like that and so he actually called me out of the blue which is very weird i was actually happened to be in tennessee it was between um it was between actually i think we're filming season four of jack ryan in the canary islands i was actually getting ready to go to the canary islands to finish up season four and uh and mikhail hits me up out of the blue and like you know we talk to each other every now and then but like when a guy calls you out of the blue like that i'm like okay this has to be something either either he's on set with somebody especially like guys like us who who work in the film industry um there's there's probably a, a good 10 10 or 12 team guys that that do similar stuff that I do that do military advising that do uh stunt work um there's a handful of guys that are that have gotten into writing uh directing stuff like that so when those guys um hit me up it's one of those things like okay either either somebody on set that knows me there's somebody on set that's worked with me or or they have uh questions about something or they have a job and this happened to be a job that uh was starting up i think this was in april when when he called and this job was starting up at the end of june early july and he couldn't do it and um so i connected with uh production i believe i connected through uh dina and uh and actually the upm was um i'm trying to remember his name uh good guy they were already in new mexico uh prepping um god what is his name uh maybe you know who the upm was i'll think of it in a second um i don't even know what that title is i know i know uh, dina hillier yeah yeah dina dina was is one of the producers she's she's been with the creators as well she's she's done a lot of stuff with cobra kai um I'm trying to think of the the unit production manager, the guy that's kind of running production. Um, I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, I um, I I basically started talking to him, and they're like, "Hey, we want to bring you on board to uh, to start training, start training people." And he sent me actually back that up before any of that. Uh, they sent me the script, and uh, because I hadn't committed to it yet, because it's so weird. I'd been I we we shot uh season uh three and four of jack ryan kind of back to back so i i had essentially been living in europe for a year um this is all post covid this was 2020 yeah 2022 was when i got the call for this so this was last year about a year and a half ago and and i was finishing up jack ryan and i'd literally been been out of the country for a large majority of time and it was actually kind of looking forward to the summer 
And the wife was like, yeah, you know what? We need to take a vacation somewhere. And, the, you know, my boys were were graduating, getting ready to graduate or start their senior year. I have twin boys that have actually were were, were uh, child actors, which is a whole nother story. But I have twin boys that just started college this past year. So they were going going to be going into their senior year. Our our daughter, who's who's 14 now, she was going to be starting her eighth grade year. And I you know, hadn't spent a lot of time you know, as a parent, essentially, Gabby would take had been taken up the slack for about a year. They came out and saw me in in Greece and hung out for for a couple of weeks. But, you know, I was looking forward to the summer like, man, I, I've been, you know, kind of going at it and didn't know that I wanted to take on another uh, a series. And they sent me the script and uh, and I started reading it and was just busting a gut. I mean, it was friggin hilarious. And I'm like, man, this is. I'm like, this is actually, and I'm pretty sure I read most of the script on the way on the flight from the States over to Canary Islands where I was going to start working. And I, I was reading this just dying laughing for some of the stuff. And, and, um, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, you can cut this out if you want, but instantly what made me think of, like, I don't know if you saw that, uh, the, the, uh, the movie, that you know the creators from south park they did it was called team america and it was like puppets it reminded me of i'm like this is a live action version of friggin team america is what it reminded me of because you know i don't want to give away any spoilers but you got you got people that are you know they're fighting one another and there's the jealousy aspect of it and you got you know people on the team hooking up with one another and you got all this random ass shit going on. You got them, you know, trying to keep each other from, you know, killing one another at the same time. They're battling, you know, all these other people. They're like trying to, you know, kill terrorists and and keep, keep the shit out of the state. So it, that's kind of what it reminded me of. So, you know, instantly, uh, I was like, I was kind of stoked. I'm like, dude, this is going to be a good series to work on. And I didn't even know who had been cast for any of the roles or any of that, you know? And it, I, I, I started giving, I was basically told my manager, I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's do this. And, um, and, you know, figure out everything. I started like right away, I started writing notes and, you know, obviously when I read a script, I'm like, yeah, nope, that's not going to work. That sounds weird that, you know, so I throw in, I've always kind of put notes and stuff, but, but yeah. And that's kind of how it fell into my lap. And, uh, I, I had a blast. We filmed from essentially, I started working in at the end of June and, and we went until the end of November, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, it, it, it is a, a lot of fun. I think you were vague enough that I should be able to just to leave all that in. Um, in my mind, just because I I have a decent pulse on these guys and the things that they have done and the things that they love, I kind of look at this as kind of like their version if they were able to do like a, a like a modern day police academy, you yeah. know, like you know, like something in that vein. The the, the um, all the nudity and all the hijinks, the shenanigans, but but this is you know, military versus the the, the, the police. So, cause I know they, they love the police Academy movies uh, as well. Um, yeah. yeah. You mentioned you, you got the script to kind of look over to, to make your decision. Did you get all eight episodes or kind of like an outline of them all? So they only had, uh, I believe they sent me the first five. Uh, hmm. I don't think they had six completed. They gave me, I think I had, I think I had an outline of six. I hadn't seen seven or eight. Um, but the first five 
I think, well, maybe it was first four. I think they sent me the first four, maybe five and six were outlines and seven and eight hadn't been completed yet. And, um, which was amazing because after I read first four, um, you know, even before we started rolling cameras, there's stuff that changed in those first four that drastically impacted the rest of the show. You know, certain certain characters um, that, you know, certain things came to fruition, like, you know, episode seven and eight, when you are even six through eight, you start seeing stuff. You're like, holy shit. Like when you re- read like first couple episodes, there's there's characters in there that that kind of evolved and had had a really good arc throughout but evolved towards the end of the end of the show that um i you know i don't want to give away any spoilers but there's some there was some really good stuff i was like holy shit that what a plot twist that was you know that you you know didn't see coming i was like wow that's that's pretty cool you know yeah for those that followed these guys on cobra kai there, there was a lot of things that we didn't see coming as well so they, they they craft story very very well. Um, let's see here. And the guy I was trying to think of earlier was Kelly Manners. Kelly oh, Manners Adam. was the he's a producer, and he was kind of he's the guy that I started dealing with initially. I was like, very good dude. And he was he was a former Marine and oh, okay, but very very good guy. He always always had a lot of uh, you know Marine Corps, you know sayings and stuff. It was pretty pretty funny. Whenever I first started kind of dealing with him, not gonna lie, I I, I miss it. Um, I have a friend that I just visited over the weekend. Uh, him and I, we uh, were on active duty together, Fort Riley, Kansas, twenty years ago, actually. Oh wow, and Fort Riley. We, yeah, we we had this joke where we only link up like once a year and just talk over the phone, and we never miss a beat. We talk more than that, but that's kind of our our joke. But um, yeah, just one of those things. I I pick up the phone, and it, it could be a few months, and We'll just, you know, catch up. So, you know, we we got those buddies. Um, if let's see here. You so you you so you give like your um, you know, the the you serve as a military advisor on set and you give your advice and, and things of that nature, but it ultimately is the filmmakers that decide whether or not to take take those advice from you. Yeah, yeah. Um Absolutely. And I, I actually I got a note too about uh, about Fort Riley, which was very, very weird. I after I was born, I was born in Greece. My family, we moved to Fort Riley. My dad did two years at, at Fort Riley before we went back to Germany, which was very, very weird when you said Fort Riley. But uh um yeah, maybe so, this was meant to be. Yeah, was, right. So, so crazy. So all the all the you know, six degrees of separation, you know. <laughs> but um yeah, it's kind of weird. And I, I think, you know, being a military advisor on, on a set, um, it for me, I kind of obviously I've evolved and I every every production I do, I learn a little bit more. And I, I, I kind of, you know, to some respect, some of these things I do, I have to kind of pick my battles because I look at certain things. And I mean, every single every single scene or every single thing that happens on set obviously i don't want to be in the director's ear and be like oh well you know we'd never do that you know so i kind of have to present certain things you know and if they're not taken they're not taken you know a lot of stuff is just kind of thrown out there like a grain of salt and and it's the same thing too with actors um you know if i'm 
if I'm nitpicking like with, with Nick or or Shelly or any of the cast, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, if I go out there to him, like, hey, you know, your guns, you know, your gun is instead of instead of here, like maybe hold down a little bit. You know, if I'm if I'm nitpicking to that degree, that means they're crushing it. That means I'm like just trying to make it absolutely as perfect as I can. But I, but then there's a fine line between going out there and even saying anything to him. Cause I'm like, okay, you know, I don't want him to, to start to think that I'm, you know, like, Oh my God, he thinks I'm doing it completely wrong. Whereas I'm just making small little tweaks, you know? And for the most part, you know, if I say something to a director or something um, it's, it's something that, it's going to have an impact on either the storyline or, or if it's just completely wrong, I, I'll be like, you know, Hey, that's, you know, we would never say that because there's, there are times when I've, I've taken the script, we get, you know, I gave notes at the beginning of the script and then the day of when we're filming, because I mean, this, this show moved pretty quickly to a point between, you know, finalizing scripts and, and actually shooting. And, you know, even the shooting script sometimes is being revised um, you're getting, getting stuff. So even I try on the day of, I'll get a, you know, I'll get a one line or a, uh, 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 what do you call it? I'll get a, a set of sides is what they're called on set right. where they're they're You know, the second AD will hand me sides and I'll go through there, you know, and there's even times where, you know, I'll, I'll go to, I'll go to whoever's directing and go, Hey, you know, this there's, you know, there's, I remember something that the CIA director called, I believe it was Shelly's character or maybe it was Shelly said something reverting to, I think it was Nick as the tactical lead. There was a line in there that I was like, Hey, maybe she probably wouldn't call him that. She'd probably call him a tactical lead or something like that because overall she's the OIC or she's the in charge person. And he's, he's the tact, you know, he's the tactical lead, which is kind of what we call our guys or we call them the senior enlisted because, you know, in a, in a seal platoon, we'll have, um, we'll have our senior enlisted, which are the guys who've probably done more deployments downrange, probably know the most about tactics and and stuff like that. And then you'll have an an officer who's overall in charge, and they're thinking more big picture stuff. Um, you'll have your officer who's probably only done a couple of deployments downrange, so maybe doesn't have as much of a tactical acumen as as the as the senior chief does. So that's kind of kind of ran the same. This show is is like a not the same as the seal platoon, but, you know, similar, similar attributes. So, you know, there are times when I'll, I'll go to the director and be like, yeah, you know, I've changed this, I'll change that. And, and luckily, you know, having the, having the first couple episodes where, you know, the writers and creators actually um, are directing to where, you know, they don't have to go to production. They don't have to go, Hey, is this right? I mean, there's times when on, on Jack Ryan or other shows I've been on where, I go to the director and be like, yeah, I don't know that I would say that I would maybe do this. And, and the director would be like, well, oh, what do I do? You know, like I need to ask so-and-so to where, you know, it got to a point where I have, I, and I did all four seasons of Jack Ryan. So I have such an in with, with John Krasinski and, and you know, the major, you know, producers on that show, uh, Allison Seeger and Andrew form, they would essentially, it's like, hey, just listen to what Kevin's saying. He's kind of got carte blanche to to kind of, you know, if it's if it's wording, if it's something that's that involves, you know, the script, then yeah, you know, he's 
he knows what he's doing type thing. And they kind of just let me run with that. So it's one of those, it's one of those good things where you have, um, you have directors that trust you, you have producers and stuff like that, that trust you. Um, it, it makes my, it makes my job easier. And also it makes it easier for me to approach them and, and make, make adjustments because if every time I go to somebody, I go, Hey, you know, this is a little off and you know, the way that they move through there, they could maybe do it a little more fluid or they could maybe do A, B, C, or D, or there's been times when a director maybe might not be an action director, maybe looks at me and goes, Hey, how would you choreograph this, set this up to, to make it make sense. And then I'm talking to the DP and saying, hey, you know, where are your cameras going to be? How are you going to shoot this? How is it going to be set up to where, you know, and or if it's action stuff, I'm talking with the second unit guy or the stunt coordinator and stuff like that. So, you know, when all when all the department heads are, are working in conjunction with one another and and the and everybody's kind of seeing the same thing, it, it really makes it really great on set to to kind of, you know make it work, make it make sense. I hope that so, answered the question. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I mean, you, you, um, in, in, in all of that, you actually answered probably like two of my other questions too. So, so that, that helped out. Um, so I, I wonder if you can share your thoughts on a, a couple different things. One of which we do see in the trailer and we, we brought this up, I, I believe in the episode where we discussed the trailer um, did you have any input or thoughts on when you, I, I, I believe it's scripted, but they are using the muzzle of, of a rifle to stir a beverage, I, I believe. Because yeah. in, in our uh, episode, I said, you know, I don't know if I would have allowed that. Like I would have said, hey, get get a uh, like a, a rod, you know, like a cleaning rod, yeah, you yeah, know, maybe yeah. something like that. That's, you know, but just the idea of that. I'm like, what are you doing? You guys doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there were there were several things in in the um, in the party scene. I think that's I think that's episode two. Um, uh, the there, end of the first episode yeah, it might be end of first yeah where they're partying and you know the way the way that was shot there was so much stuff that was kind of um you know everything wasn't necessarily shot in order so some of that stuff i see and like you know i i go well are at this point is the whole crew like completely shit house is everybody on drugs at this point is everybody you know you know a little out of their mind and so you know a lot of that stuff is just kind of like nah. They're stern yeah. and you know, stern is like it doesn't really change the storyline. Is it is it proper? Is it correct? Like probably not. I mean, if that shit was happening in a in you know in a, in a seal platoon, uh, like a seal party, like yeah, there would be people losing their marbles, going, dude, we would never do that, and be like, eh, you know, whatever. It's it doesn't really affect the storyline. So and it's funny, you know. Yeah. I mean, shit, there's a friggin' camel walk around the damn place, you know. So it's not like that big a deal you know no it's, it's not it, it stood out to me and i just thought it was funny i was like i i, I want to ask somebody about it and and i told my co-host i was like I, i'm gonna get an answer so <laughs> and, and, and and there it is but the other thing uh, i kind of wanted to to ask you about and you you brought this up earlier actually uh this is a le leadership lesson that has helped you and um and what it is is a uh, praise in public and chastise in private exactly and so 
uh, I, I won't get into full details, but there there is a sequence that we um, see somebody, an OIC, uh, call out somebody to her in yeah. in front of everybody else. So when that scene was playing out, I go, oh, that's a little unprofessional. I feel like she would have had him off to the side and say, hey, this, that, and the other thing. But also to kind of answer that, or I, I guess to, in, in my headspace, I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, for this scene, they're probably saying like, look, like shit's getting real. You, we, you need to be listening to what I'm saying. I don't have time for your games. Is it, is kind of like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, did you have any input uh, on that sequence at all? Yeah, um, if, I'm pretty sure the same same scene we're talking about. I mean, there was a there was a couple different times where, um, like Shelly's character, and there's there's some really great chemistry between between Shelly and Nick, and you know where they're both kind of butting heads because, you know, Nick probably sees himself as more the alpha, as the guy that's driving this train, but at the same time, you know. Shelly as as the overall in charge like she's she's the one that's kind of you know he's driving the train but she's steering the train so she has to go hey look I need to make small tweaks here um and that is some some great um conflicts there to where it makes sense because you know she probably hasn't been in charge of a team like this in the past so you know she's learning She's learning and and kind of making her way as a leader as well as as everybody else is kind of trying to find their niche in this group, you know. So I think it's one of those one of those cool moments that kind of shows who you know kind of brings out a little more character aspects to these to these uh, actors and actresses in, in the show, and it kind of um, which is which is great. I know when when we were first when I first started giving notes for some of this stuff, um, like some of these roles weren't weren't not not role, but some of the people's responsibilities and stuff like this in the show, they weren't really defined yet. Like we were still kind of finagling with like, okay, do, you know, who who do we want to be what? You know, we we want this EOD guy. So, you know, what branch of the military you want these people to be in and stuff like that. And, you know, ultimately, I'm glad that the the direction that we went with some of this stuff, because I was give, I was giving notes with some of this stuff. I was like, it would make a lot more sense to have, you know, a, an Air Force cat who's flying a helicopter. You have an Army EOD guy. And that was in my that kind of patterned after my my after my dad, actually, who was an Army EOD guy. You know, you you have your your trunk and your. Um, your Nick as as seals, um, you know you have your uh, uh, your, your NSA tacky girl, you know you sniper. have your you have your Gomez sniper who we made a Marine Corps person. Um, so I I think all the characters kind of gelled in that respect, and and I I I actually thought it make made a lot more sense to have these people as as all branches of the military. If nothing else, just to give give um, the 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 audience somebody somebody else to root for, you know, like like you know, I'm sure there's going to be a, a shit ton of uh, of Marine Corps, you know, of jarheads that are going, oh, we never have a Marine Corps female sniper. That's blah blah. Yeah, that's bullshit. You know, like same stuff. You know, same same thing that I would be arguing about. I'm like, well, there's not any 
Navy SEAL females or, you know, the CIA is probably going, oh, you know, there would be a male case officer that's running this team. We wouldn't have a, you know, or or what, whatever the case may be. You know, everybody's going to have going to have something to complain about, you know, but sure. I think ultimately it gives everybody somebody to root for as well. You know, yet we all the branches are kind of covered. You got your Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. Guess we could have put a coast coastie in there. Could have made yeah. trunk. Could have made trunk a coastie, which would have been great because they say Coast Guard they they don't let anybody in the Coast Guard that's uh, that's under six feet tall. Did you know mm. that? I did not. No. Yeah, that way if they're if they're uh, if their boat sinks, they just walk to shore. <laughs> well, well, uh, Air Force kind of similar, right? You can't be too tall for <laughs> yeah. for the planes. That was, that was a joke. I was kidding. But, uh, <laughs> um, Trunk obviously is a very tall individual. <laughs> yes, very tall. But um, I, we won't get too much into it. But uh, I, I feel you could probably no, maybe not. I'll, I'll leave it alone. Um, I, I recently spoke with Frank Homer, costume designer, uh, who mm-hmm. also worked on Cobra Kai. And, yeah. um, you know, very nice things to say about you. Uh, can you talk about like your relationship um, uh, with Frank and some examples where you two collaborated on something that was wardrobe related? Yeah, Frank. Frank was great. Um, the, the whole costume department um, was was phenomenal. Um, and I'd worked with I'd worked with Frank uh, on another show um a pilot back uh years ago that never got picked up but um but yeah frank was very easy to work with he was you know there were times i would make recommendations for certain things and and he'd be like yeah that's good that's good and be like yeah we're gonna go this direction is that gonna is that gonna change anything and i for the most part he's he's got an eye obviously he's he's the designer and he's the department head and he's he knows what he's doing um I don't think there were any any times where I was like, uh, I think with the exception of maybe I think it was the first or second episode where there where the whole crew is in the hangar. And the 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 CIA director is given a spiel. And that's when when Winters meets the team for the first time. Um, I think for the most part, the only time where I was just really like, not really going crazy, but making sure that the uniforms were good because we had we had members of all the military kind of represented there. You know, we had dudes in flight suits. We had people in, you know, Army uniforms. We had people in Marine Corps uniforms. We had people in Navy uniforms and and various stuff throughout there. And, you know, obviously. It's hard. It's hard to nitpick certain things. I mean, you had. For example, you had Gomez was in like a, a working uniform and she had like earrings and purple hair, <laughs> which yeah. is like, oh, my God. Yeah. And like a, a shade, you know, shades, you know, same thing with 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 Trunk. You know, I remember there are times I, I think it was that same same scene where um, he comes in, he sits down. He's got two great big earring, you know, uh, uh, diamond studs. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, ah, I'm like, maybe just take those out, you know, just little things like that. Where obviously that's not necessarily the earrings aren't necessarily in Frank's Frank's wheelhouse, but um, you know, for the most part, just putting everybody uh together there and 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 really, you know, 
I think we work great together. Like Frank is awesome. And, and for the most part, you know, he would bounce stuff off of me. I'd bounce stuff off of him. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I never really, I never really saw anything that, that was just glaringly inaccurate either. You know, even with, uh, uh, like Maddox's guys, we're and I play one of those goofballs in in the on on the show where we're all wearing gray, uh, like this gray uniform. And actually, I want to say that was the same uniform that we used in one in like Transformers Five. I think I wore that exact same, you know, not the same uniform, but the same style of uniform. And um, where we play the, I don't even know what the name the the TRF. Tr- transformer reaction force or transformer something anyways that was in like part five where i'm wearing a i have to send you a picture where i'm wearing like a, a gray uniform I almost look the same and um and i think on there i was i was trying to roll up my sleeves and one of the costumers was like nope sleeves down like i was like okay <laughs> no worries <laughs> but it, it was it was pretty pretty good like yeah i, I I, I love I love Frank to death. He he did an awesome job on the show. He really did. I, I love all their um, civilian wear. You know, they all all of their look is very unique to them. Um, we kind of backtrack on on uh, trunk real quick. This, this is something that also stood out to me. You would know better than me with all of your deployments. Um, and trunk has a big beard. You know, and in my experience, like the guys with the beards. Uh, you know, they have like a shaving profile, so they're able to grow that out. Yeah. And uh, is there something with like certain missions? You can also grow it out too to kind of blend in with civilian things like that. Yeah. Nature? Yeah. So the, for the most part, um, and a lot of the, a, a lot of the special missions units uh, like for us, you know, SEAL team six or, you know, developmental group and even like Delta guys like that, who, who, who are part of JSOC. Um, as part of special missions unit or uh uh like basically tier one tier one units in the military that basically i mean and for years you had guys that were going to afghanistan you know every three to six months three you know three to nine months where they're they're constantly rotating in and out of there um those guys just kept beards and it's a huge more respect thing and in terms of just kind of um if anything like not fitting in uh i think being over there and not looking like your military because you know a lot of times when guys are operating over there they're not necessarily in uniforms and they're not you know they're doing a lot of low pro movements where you may not be in a military vehicle you may be in a a thin skin you know uh board ranger Toyota truck where you're driving around and you know you need to you need to kind of look scruffy you need to you know you need to kind of blend in over there and not kind of stand out like a sore thumb so um you know uh groups like that kind of have a lot of leeway to kind of grow their facial hair and look certain ways and dress certain ways um and even you know even back in Vietnam where you know you had team guys that would that would, you know, grow their hair out and, you know, guys were wearing Levi's jeans and kind of what, what they wanted to wear to what they felt like worked the best, you know, in that, in that environment, uh, in, you know, in the sixties and seventies. 
So um, it, it goes a long way towards gaining the respect of of your your um, your your uh, you know the COs of these units to kind of give these guys latitude to kind of let them do let them do what they want to do as long as they're successful. You know, obviously <clears throat> there's kind of a fine line there, and that's kind of where I was going to with you know these guys are coming in out of the field you know, your trunk and your Nick, you know, your Nick Zano guys, your, your group of your group. That's been not necessarily operating together, but operating in kind of the same environments. You're, you know, bringing Gomez in and bringing, you know, your, 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 your Tom, you know, Tommy Howell, you're bringing your, your guys. And even Tommy was kind of funny. Like he's sitting back there. He's got a big scruffy beard and his hats turn around backwards. And, and I was like, ah, I'm like, man, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line between looking like you've been downrange for a number of years and, and, and between just looking like you just really don't give a shit, you know? Cause I mean, I think, I think they had Tommy's rank is like an E4, E5, you know, where he's like, I think a, he's E7. But they, I oh, think was he? First class. I believe so. Oh, I think I, it's, uh, three maybe, yeah, two several. It's kind of funny. I was because I was like, man, like, whoa, you know, what was his rank? Um, but, you know, those guys are given a lot of latitude, you know, and that's kind of what I was kind of, kind of, uh, struggling with. Cause some of the, obviously, you know, you have to film a certain way and we didn't have time to, to shave everybody. And then the rest of the show, you know, guys are trying to put beards on and stuff like that. And, and, you know, they wanted a certain look to how everybody was going to look for the rest of the show as well. So, um, I mean, the, really, the only way we could have combated that was to film episode one at the very end and, like, make everybody clean shaven and and put everybody in, like, a dress uniform and, and stuff like that to where um, that would, I mean, that would be the only way to kind of do that. But at the same time, if they're bringing guys in, the, you know, according to the storyline, they're bringing guys in for this special unit. Um, you know, they cleaned up a little bit in their uniforms. They weren't wearing dress uniforms they were still wearing like their working uniforms which is a little more uh allowable to have guys you know in beards and stuff like that and have guys a little you know little a little bit off <laughs> so i think it worked you know no it, it but most of it looks great um i think uh the backwards hat like even he fixes it forward during the the, the brief and so, like, yeah, those little details, I, I pick up on them, you know. So, oh, for sure. For yeah, it's sure. much appreciated. Uh, so the uh, a couple more things here as we get ready to wrap up. Um, were the, the, the team, were they put through, like, some sort of, like, basic training prior to filming? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> we tailored – so we tailored the um... – we tailored the training. I came out there. I want to say I, I came out at like a week. No, it was like, I think I was out there two weeks before we actually started rolling cameras. Um, and I started training. I remember first getting out there and just trying to um, set up an area to train. And, you know, obviously, for me, I want it to be as real as possible. I want to put the guys in 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 costume and I want to get, you know, guys manipulating their weapons a certain way and and um to try and get everybody on the same level 
was kind of difficult just because they really only need to look, I mean, tactically proficient. I mean, you want them to look tactically proficient throughout the whole series, but realistically, after episode one, the, the, they've been drinking and they're a little off kilter. And so, you know, they may or may not necessarily do everything the proper way just because of all the shit that's in their system. So, you know, I wanted to make sure episode one that we we nailed everything. Um, <clears throat> so really putting an emphasis on on Shelly with a pistol, because I knew, you know, when she was coming in, she's going to be coming in through a separate separate way you know versus the way that you know trunk and and nick and all those guys enter um whenever i don't want to give away too many spoilers but you know entering in to the uh to the penthouse and and taking down threats and stuff so just making sure that um especially nick and trunk they were manipulating their weapons a certain way um, Gomez, obviously she's a sniper. She's, she's predominantly, um, behind a big gun, normally, you know, several meters, several hundred meters away. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of funny too, because I remember the first couple of days we were, we started weapons training. Um, we started off with pistols and Tommy was there. See Thomas Howell, great dude. And, uh, and he's, he's kind of like, Hey man, like I've I've done some training and stuff before, and he's like, not he goes, and I'll I'll do whatever you want me to do. He goes, but dude, I'm I'm not really holding a gun in like any of this stuff, you know. And and I kind of you know, and I was like, you know what, you got a really good point. You you're really not like you're, and I was basically like, dude, you can go do whatever you want, you know, with the exception of we we shot some some live rounds down range just to kind of let everybody know kind of how that felt. We had everybody doing that, but for the most part, the, the, the biggest emphasis in, in getting all the guys dialed in, um, Shelly trunk, Nick. Um, and I keep calling him trunk instead of, instead of T instead of Terrence. I, I guess I should be calling them by their character names, but, uh, it's kind of crazy going back and forth. But, uh, but for the most part, you know, I, I would I would train um, Paola, who, who plays Gomez. I would kind of train her on her own and really getting her set up behind the gun and how, you know, make sure she's she's set up and and really, you know, get the scope dialed in. And, and, and the and the rifle that we had was a, a chamber in 338. I think it was Ac- Accuracy International that was chambered like 338 Lapua which is a big gun. I mean, for her, I mean, she's, she's a very small individual. Um, you know, there's a lot of, lot of things to manipulate on the stock to get her cheek weld where it needs to be to get her eye relief on the scope. And, and, you know, it really just to, to kind of, to squelch any, anybody that's going to be critiquing her. I know as you know, she's going to, she's a Marine. She's already going to be taking heavies from all the dudes just because she's a female, um, there's not a lot of female uh, scout snipers in the core, if any. I don't. I'm sure there are. I'm pretty sure they they allow um, females to go through the the scout sniper course now. Um, but it, you know, they they have to uh, overcome a lot of adversity just simply because they are female. And so I wanted I wanted to make sure Paola was was dialed in as much as possible. She 
you know, anybody that knows anything about snipers is like consistency is key. You want to do it. You know, everything needs to be the same every single time. You want to make sure your cheek weld is the same spot. You want to make sure your eye relief is the same. You want to make sure, you know, everything you do, your grip is the same. Like every time you're, you know, where your trigger is, where your trigger finger falls on the trigger is the same every single time. And so everything is, is consistent, consistent, consistent. So, you know, we would, we would practice and, you know, put her on a mat and behind the gun and, and making sure her body's lined up behind the gun to absorb that recoil and everything was, was perfect. Um, you know, even you in too? terms of what's that? Breathing too. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Pull the trigger when you exhale. Yeah. So it's just really, um, maintaining that level of consistency and then you know with 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 trunk and or sorry with 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 t and and nick and and uh and everybody you know once we get to that that target where we had to start clearing rooms and stuff like that um you know that was a little bit more on the day type stuff like hey this is how we're going to choreograph it and this is how we're going to move things in you know somebody will pull the door open here or Nick will kick a door open or pull a door, or clear stuff here. That was more like on the day type stuff. And, you know, that's, that's a testament to, you know, our, our stunt coordinators and, and, and directors and everybody involved, like basically just look at and go, Hey, you know, what makes the most sense? Where are cameras going to be? You know, how can we make this look the best for camera? You know, obviously we want everybody to be a badass on, on film. And, and so, you know, I guess in answer to your question, you know, we trained off and on and it was mainly smaller groups. Like I would, I would pull, I would pull Nick aside and go, Hey, let's, let's go through a news. Macy's like, Hey, you know, drawing pistol. And he's a lefty too, which is, which kind of, you know, makes everything a little bit different. So, you know, he would, draw from the holster every single time we'd go through, you know, keeping things a high ready or having his, having his weapon or transition his, his primary weapon, you know, moving it with his right arm and and pulling his pistol with his left hand and, you know, going, going through all that stuff, um, you know, kind of almost just one-on-one, um, one-on-one instruction, because, you know, for the most part, uh, those guys were all, all in different different scenarios, you know, having to having to look badass, you know. Yeah, no, that, that's a absolutely a good point. Um, to uh, wrap up here, I have something a little, little fun. At least it's, it's going to be fun for me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, excluding projects that you have worked on, um, do you have a, a favorite movie that just got the look right? You know, the the military look. And then on the flip side of that, is there one that just drives you crazy when you watched it or watched oh, it? Like, oh, God, they, you know, this, that, and the other thing. There's a movie called Basic with uh, John Travolta and yeah. um, Samuel Jackson. And there's a, a flashback sequence. And I'm, I'm forgetting what his rank was. I, you know, something like an E8. And yeah. he's wearing an E4 uh, rank. I'm like, yeah. and, and, you know, they're calling him sergeant and, and things like this. I'm like, but specialist rank, you know, so... <laughs> so that yeah. is one that I always go to that I feel for whatever reasons some some of the uniform was just wrong. Um you you got some of those examples? I do. I do. Um I think one of the number one films that one of my favorites that I'd never worked on, however, my my mentor Harry, he he did um Black Hawk Down, 
which is, uh, you know, they, they got that right. Um, and I mean, I could probably, (laughs) I could probably come up with a million different scenarios in terms of like things that were wrong. Um, like I know one thing that, uh, it was just on the tip of my tongue. One of the films, it was, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, which is fairly um, recent. And it was, um, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Yeah. Which it, maybe this was, was how things were in, in the, uh, you know, in the, in the, uh, during world war two, but Vince Vaughn is his drill instructor. And then he winds up being like his, his, you know, first Sergeant in the company later. And that was one of the things I was like, why wouldn't they cast two different guys to play those roles? Because, you know, anybody that's gone through boot camp knows is like, dude, you go through boot camp with a whole different group of guys and then you're you're separated. You know, you all go different, different ways. And you're certainly not going to have the same, you know, company commander that you, you know, or first sergeant that you had, you know, once you. Once you meet all your objectives, you know, going down range, I'm, I mean, you're not going to have the same guy that was your company commander in, in boot camp. Um, Trying to think of some more, some more, uh, um, some more war movies that I saw that were, that I saw that were just like really weird. I mean, I got a, I think in the, in recent years, they've really got it right. Like when you were talking about the Mel Gibson film, uh, we were soldiers, that was phenomenal. Um, even, you know, even down to the uniforms were just, I mean, extremely, everything is just perfect. You know, how those guys dressed and even, you know, as, as weird as uniforms were back in Vietnam, like, you know, the guys were in their, with their starched greens and they had like, like a black and yellow, you know, us army name tape. And then their name was in like white or something. Yeah, white, yeah. It looked weird. You know, that was like how it was back then, you know, um, I'm trying to you, think of some other, some other films. I didn't even think about this, but like, yeah, the, 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 the white tape on the uniforms back then, there's a reason they don't wear like that. That's why we have subdued ranks on, on, on the Kevlar's is, is so they're not as visible to like snipers right. or, anybody yeah. out there so yeah I, I didn't even think about the the name tapes yeah which is is kind of weird I, I i know somebody brought that up uh in when i went through sniper school somebody brought that up uh, about there was a group of cops that were being targeted and i don't remember where the cops were but they i want to say they were part of the sheriff's department and they had they were wearing tan uniforms but the pockets on their uniforms were dark brown and and people were saying, dude, that's like a natural, like bullseye, because yeah. it, it's a different color. It's like easier. Like if somebody's trying to get a bead on you, it's like, wow, that's I I never really, you know, never really uh, realized that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other, um, some other films that you know, like I said, I haven't really seen any any films in the past where you know you where you look at stuff and you're like, man, that's just horrible. You know, I mean, there's obviously there's going to be films where you you get, you get little things. um, You get, you're going to get things wrong. Um, But it's like, you know, I can't really think of, of anything that was just glaringly bad. 
Oh yeah, no, that that's that fine. That that the Hacksaw Ridge one, I think uh, you got one of each. Um, yeah, yeah. So again, uh, I, I mentioned at the top of the episode, this is going to be like a like a special Veterans Day um, uh, release. Uh, I would imagine November thirtieth, you'll probably have some stuff that you might be able to share uh, during production. Um, if uh, if if you allow the the interactions, uh, what are uh, where can people find you on social media? Um, so most of my stuff I do on social media. Um, I do Instagram, uh, the real Kevin Kent on Instagram. Uh, I have a website. It's it's uh, it's either the real Kevin Kent.com or I have case K dash squared dot CC is the website for uh K squared incorporated, which is uh, the, the dash squared. Yep, CC. A dash squared dot CC. Um, that's where uh, most of the stuff I've done in the film industry, it's got, it's, it. So I'm sure some of that stuff needs to be updated. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I post, uh, the real Kevin Kent on, on Instagram. And I, I also do, I have the real K squared on Instagram as well, but I basically just, it just mirrors what I do for, for the real Kevin Kent. So, uh, for the most part, uh, that's it on social media. I have a Twitter account, but I don't really, or X, I guess it is now. I don't really get on there too much. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward looking forward to uh to obliterated coming out. Um I've only seen the first two episodes. So to see the 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 next six, I'm gonna be stoked. Uh, I, I'm anxious to anxious to kind of see how it all comes out. And that's that's really kind of the labor of love for me. Like I, I enjoy um, you know, there's a bee flying around my head. That's the thing for me where it, it's very rewarding in terms of, you know, especially if I have directors and stuff that put that put that faith in me to go like, Hey, you know, how would you set this up? How would you, how would you choreograph this? And, and that's, that's kind of my, my, uh, you know, my, my job well done, my job satisfaction. When I see something on camera or something that comes out as the, as a finished product and it looks great and everything is good. And I'm, I'm, you know, that's, that's my pat on the back, you know, and I, I do feel like most of the stuff I've, you know, I can't, I don't want to sit up here and say everything I've done has been phenomenal, but I, you know, I, I want to say some of the things I've done in the last several years, um, like we did, I did an episode of Bosch legacy, which is the, the last, last episode of season one. We, we choreographed a whole bunch of stuff for a, a, um, a flashback scene when, when Bosch was in Afghanistan, which that was all really good. And then obviously I'm very partial to, to, jack ryan that i did all four seasons on which you know i have a great great relationship with that whole crew um and i thought i thought that season or that series came out really well i wish it was still going but uh that that was a that was a great uh series to work on and kind of uh put a lot of stuff together yeah i mean i'll, I'll tell you what uh episodes three through eight look amazing so yeah can't wait for you and everyone else uh, to watch it as well um, for those that want to follow me on social media, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Obliterated Companion, on X slash Twitter, uh, Obliterated Pod. So um, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys next time.
This has been a production of the Companion Network.